I get Matt Damon all the time. And I'm well look, good for I you. Get, I hear I chuckles. Get Zach Braff and Michael Sarah. <laughs> I have had tweets liked by Frank Kellyendo mm-hmm. and Donny Osmond. I sure, I sure miss you guys there at BYU Sports Nation. Dude, my leg workout is from one bench press to the next. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Well, the Cougars beat Portland by 26. It was an interesting game. BYU up 24-2. Down to a seven-point margin with about 12 minutes to go. BYU wins by 26. And assist coach Cody Figger is one of the guys that helped make sure that happened. Cody, congratulations on the win. That was kind of a weird game, right? A little back and forth there. Yeah, a little back and forth. Uh, our guys came out on fire right away, really sharing the ball. You know, we finished the game with 29 assists and only five turnovers. Um, but it, it's one of those games where, where Portland Portland's a good team and they can score. Um but our, our guys just stayed on it defensively and, and offensively. They're, they're, uh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to be a part of. You know, people watching this show, you may see me sitting right here, and you may think, well, that's where, that's where you would normally sit. It's strategic today. Uh, you are a Seahawks fan. Oh, I'm not you, mad. I'm you are sad. a Green Bay Packers fan. I yeah. am here to keep these two apart. What, <laughs> oh, what is the che- tension level oh, like between you two right now? Nothing. I have no yeah. tension. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you I'm, shouldn't we, have tension. You won. Yeah, we won. So I'm, I'm You're about good. as happy as it gets right oh, now. No, I, I did not expect the Seahawks to beat the Packers. I didn't. I 11 and two in one score games going in. I thought, yeah, that's kind of lucky. It yeah. just is. Yet with five minutes to go, Seahawks have the ball. Russell Wilson. Were I, you nervous at that point? Oh yeah, I was thinking of the 2015 game where it was the first time in my life as a Packer fan, I was celebrating early. In, C- in, in Seattle. Yeah. Yes. And, I remember you telling me that story. And I was, it was an unbelievable was comeback for the Seahawks. I was so happy. And yeah. like, I was like, oh, we got this game. and Onside kick, we, just, we won't blow it. And, yeah, we, yeah. Just, we just gave the game to you guys. Yeah. And <laughs> Handed it on a silver plate. Yeah, yeah. And I, I waited until, until clock hit zeros until I celebrated. My kids were fired up. We went and got an ice cream last night. It was nice. awesome. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy for you. We, we were talking about the Cougars in the NFL connection, yes. which is yes. awesome. So BYU's guaranteed to have someone in the Super Bowl. Um, you grew up rooting for Wisconsin. What was the school of Yeah, choice? so I loved, I loved Wisconsin. Yeah, growing up. Uh, Marquette, you know, they didn't have a football team. I liked Marquette, but Wisconsin, was, that's where everyone, you know, Marquette was kind of the uppity kids and things like that. So mm. it was all in about Milwaukee? Wisconsin. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So I liked Russell Wilson. Yeah. I liked Russell go. Wilson. But not last night. No, no, no. <laughs> you can appreciate him when your team wins. Yeah, uh, like, exactly. Oh, look, he was fantastic. <laughs> it's, easy, it's easy to be a good sport yes, when your team yeah. wins. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. He was carrying the team on his back. Like, he's, yeah, he's yes. unbelievable. He's going to have reconstructive back surgery. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. So we were talking about the win over Portland, and it was an impressive win. There was a lot to be impressed by. What impressed you most about that win over the Pilots? Um, just our, our senior leadership, like we can just keep on going back to that every single game. You know, Zach Selyus coming out and banging a ton of shots and just playing. You know, Zach gave the pregame talk before the game on uh, on Saturday, and you know, Zach comes out and he's just you know he's really kind of laid back. Hey guys, let's play hard for each other, this and that, but really kind of monotone. And and then he gets out on the floor and he's just a wild man. You know, it's it's. 
he he's he's been incredible this year. Um, and then you know Dalton Nixon starts off so great, double double basically in the first half. And then TJ Hawes, you know, fourteen assists, zero turnovers. Jake comes in, eight assists, zero turnovers. Unbelievable. It, it, it's it's remarkable what those guys are doing. You know, and and they're and they're doing it together, and they 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 love winning, and that's all they want. We were talking about the model without Yoli Childs, and certainly you guys learn things in the first nine games that are helping you during this stretch. You wish you didn't have to learn those lessons, but you have. Um, and there's kind of uh, a, a few schools of thought here. One is the model against Portland, which is six guys in double figures, some double doubles. It's not uh, Jake and and. Uh, and TJ. and TJ carrying the load, which model works the most uh, consistently? Because it probably varies game to game, but is there an ideal model there? Yeah, um, there is. For us, it's assist opportunities. I think you guys heard Coach Pope kind of talk about that. For us, especially offensively, is when we have a high number, we're really good. We win. A, we win. And, and Saturday was the season high 53? Season high right? 53, and, wow. and it was incredible. And when Yoli jumped on board, our assist opportunities went up. It's skied up. Which you would think that maybe that would go down a little bit. Ball yeah. gets in a good player's hands. It may not move as much. So that's, uh, that's a great number. Yeah, so like it was when Yoli came in, it was over 40 every single game. So, I mean, he, he does an amazing job and, uh, of just sharing the ball, and he's an unbelievable passer. And, uh, yeah, so assist opportunity is something that's been huge for us as a, as a team. Um, because sometimes, you know, guys make the right play and the ball just doesn't go in, but we keep on showing them, like, hey, that's a great pass. Keep on doing it, and our guys have all bought into that. With two games this week, how do you guys usually handle preparing the guys for both games? Because obviously you take them one at a time, but I have to assume there's, there's some advanced scouting for Saturday so you're not behind the eight ball as you get closer to that. And then it also happens that Saturday is Gonzaga, and they're the number one team. How, how do you guys handle preparing for both but yet focusing on the Toreros? Um, well, for us, you know, um, what's really important is that, that we take every game counts as one. Every game counts as one, and it's that next game is the most important thing. Um, now, we'll take some similar similarities. Say San Diego and Gonzaga, they do some same things, maybe how they guard the post or this and that. We'll really emphasize that. And if, like, Gonzaga did anything crazy tricky, we'd kind of do it today on Monday where, where we got some time. Um, but other than that, it's just our normal routine where we go Monday. It's shooting, light, film, uh, all about, you know, kind of San Diego, 5 on 0 stuff. And then on Tuesday, we hit it hard. You know, we'll hit San Diego hard and, and Wednesday, San Diego hard. Um, and then Thursday we'll get ready for the game. But we, we try not to go, you know, one step ahead, you know, just because every game means – It's our okay. job. Yes. That, that, <laughs> every game – Coach Majerus, you know, when I worked for him at Utah, he talked about that every single time, you know, that as soon as, you know, one game counts for two, then, then that matters more. But um, every game means one. And it never will, right? It never will. It never will. <laughs> Talking to Cody Figure, assistant coach on the men's basketball team. Uh Nice win against Portland. Now San Diego comes in, and, and we're seeing in the league, hey, every game, you, you always say it. It doesn't always mean it's real, but St. Mary's has, is experiencing this now where it's, oh, they have two losses already to non-Gonzaga and BYU teams, right? Um, the door is open, I guess, to, to step into that place. What do you think of the conference race so far? I mean, this league is a beast. It, it's incredible. Um, unbelievable coaches and really good players in this league. Um, and, you know, 
every day we just make sure our guys are motivated. And we got a senior group that they stay motivated and they know how they've been in this league. They know how important every single game is and not one letdown can happen. So our guys are, I mean, that's kind of been our, you know, Coach Pope has preached that since day one with our team. You know, just talking about our league and and what seniors do and how important they are, and so that that's one thing that we we we've been talking about since day one, since we got here. And you experienced something similar in that when you guys were at Utah Valley in the WAC, New Mexico State was the team, and you guys went in there and won, right? Uh, once yeah. or a couple times yeah. or something. Um, and it was okay. We got to throw them for a shot to get in the NCAA tournament. In this case, at large as possible, right? With you, you don't have to just be the best team in the league. You have to beat the best team in the country <laughs> yeah. in a 16-game tournament, which is just ridiculous. So I guess what, what did you guys draw from that experience of, hey, there's a big dog. we got to take care of business and be in position to match up with them late. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just really kind of just like I said, kind of with game by game. You know, every single game is important, and we're just focusing on just getting better. You know, and the great part about, like you said, is we get to play the number one team in the country. They're in our league, and and what a great experience for our team, and our, our and that's what we want. We want to beat the best team in the country. So every day we're just focused on getting better, and and that's just that's just we're not we're just going game by game. How do you feel like this team is getting better on January thirteenth? Well, we're pretty excited because we had twenty nine assists to five <laughs> five turnovers. Um, and so, like, that, that is sticking with our guys, these, these assist opportunities, and then defensively every possession, and that's something that we focus on and, and uh, um, kind of been back and forth with these injuries, obviously, with Yoli. But, you know, we're, we're getting better as a team, sharing the ball. Um, Zach Selyus is getting better, right? Dalton Nixon's getting better. What do you have in the first half? Eight and ten or something like that. Like it was, it was really close to a double, double, double. But and then Colby Lee stepped up too. Mm-hmm. Um, so just focusing on these guys individually. Individually, sorry. Um, just getting better every single day. Well, and I wanted to ask you about Colby Lee. We, we saw when Yoli was out for the first nine games how important Colby was. You're, you're seeing that again now with Yoli down the second time. How important is Colby's play to the success of this team? Oh, it's it's huge. You know because. Right now we've got Dalton, Zach, and Colby really is our front line. So Colby, you know, coming in and having all the confidence in the world right now has been huge for our team. And, and you know, he's starting for us. And he, I think he played 20-some minutes on on uh, Saturday. So he, he's got a huge part. And shoot, shoot, what game was that against Weber, he had a little knee injury, and that was huge for us. Yeah. You know, we're every game we need all, 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 and you have all to hands have him, on deck, right? Yes. His size, too. yeah, his size, and you know, he had some, he had some really good plays against St. Mary's too. Like he, he's battling, and he's got unbelievable confidence. And man, he's he's awesome. Does he have the green light to shoot a three anytime he wants? He does. He does. I mean, like that it. if 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 our guys are open, we want him to shoot it. You know, if they're not if they're not going to shoot it and they're open, they're going to come sit on the bench. We want them to have the, I love that the, the, yeah, the confidence. That's great. You know, and and Coach Pope's been relentless with these guys on that. And it's a shot you know, he can make. Oh, he he was four for six before <laughs> yes. last game, so now he's shooting fifty percent. He's yeah. four for eight. So he it's a shot he can make, and it's a shot he works on. And like all these kids are working so hard because Coach Pope has put them in unbelievable situations to be successful, and they they see the role and they see their fit, and it's been. Awesome. Well, congrats on the win. A uh, season high in uh, 
assist opportunities and 29 to 5 assist turnover ratio. Fantastic. So uh, good luck this week, San Diego, and then uh, somebody else, I think, on Saturday. So. Yeah, we got San Diego. And then we got, you take it one game at a time, so you have no idea. Yeah, San Diego, Gonzaga, and Sunday at 440. Oh. We got the, the Niners. Okay, you know what? We're done here. Thanks, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Cody. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Also looking forward to showing you a deep blue special with BYU basketball senior forward Zach Selyus. What a start to his career. Seemingly could not miss from the three-point line, but he's now been asked to do very different things for this BYU basketball program. What's his story? We go deep blue with Zach Selyus. When Zach was recruited um, to BYU, one of the coaches at the time was Coach Pope. I was in a gym in Las Vegas during the summer recruiting period. In these tournaments, you've got all the parents, and then on one side, all the college coaches that are recruiting are, are sitting there. They're separated from everybody. Team was getting crushed in the first half. Second half, he gets it going. Hit one, two, three, four threes. They're making an incredible comeback. He hits five. He hits number six. And Zach hit a three-pointer in the corner to tie the game. And right when he hit it... I could not even control myself. I stood up right there. You're sitting with all the coaches. I lost my mind. stood up. I raised my hands. I'm like, three! I think that's illegal recruiting. Hands it over to Toulson. Back to Zach. Back for three more. Yes! He is like the hardest fighter I've ever met. So if something is hard or difficult, he'll be sad for two seconds and then clean up and say, let's go do something. Like, what's next? He is so hungry and driven to win right now. It's all he wants to do. He just wants to win. He wants to come play well for his guys. He does not think he's perfect. He's very humble in the sense of his skills, and he's always looking to improve himself. Zach's good note isn't necessarily that I'm the leading scorer, I'm the the leading rebounder. His is that he's done what it's take to win and contribute to the team. I served a mission in Des Moines, Iowa. It was called to serve, and I had a shoulder injury and had to come home early after 10 months. Coming home was kind of hard. It was hard to, you know, manage with people who judge you and people who kind of tell you, why didn't you just stay? Why didn't you fight through it? I was able to find myself and to be able to still do the missionary work when you're not a set apart as a missionary and to be able to, you know, be the best person you can be. And I've been able to help people understand that, you know, there's people that have done this, people that have come home all the time, and you know, it isn't the worst thing in the world. You're not disappointing anyone. You know, you're just going out and doing the best you can, and you can still do that every day. And so it's been awesome and a life-changing experience. During that time, coming home early for my mission, I had the opportunity to meet my wife. My cousin was really good friends with one of his roommates, and she was like, you remind me of this guy, I want to set y'all up. And I was like, I'm good, I don't really want to date. And I guess he had gone through a lot recently, and he wasn't about dating. The rest is history, and she was able to help me through hard times, and especially during that time of me 
coming home early and going through all that you know, stress. I could tell that there were some things going on that I didn't completely understand. I'm a very positive person, and I think just my positivity was beneficial for him. I think sometimes when we're in those dark places, we need someone to remind us that even though life's hard, we can keep going, and, and he was fine. My wife hasn't been a huge sports person growing up. She's from Austin, Texas, and was more into the arts and crafts and everything kind of with that. She's an awesome singer. Before we were even dating, Zach asked me to come to one of his basketball games. He gave me tickets to sit with his in the family section, but I did not know that this was the family section. At halftime, I get a tap on my shoulder, and it was his mom and dad were sitting behind us the whole entire time. And so I was so embarrassed. I was like, I swear, if they heard me talk about anything basketball, they're never going to let me date their son. <laughs> they were super kind. And the next game, I sat with them, and they helped me understand everything. And now I like to think that I know something about basketball a lot more than I did, though, in that first game. They have such a love for each other that it's, I don't think it's hard to give up a little bit of what you love to bring in what the other person loves. She knows what basketball takes and what it takes to be a college basketball player and knows that I may be gone a few days and everything like traveling and she's just so supportive and it's been awesome. When I think back of Zach, I think one of my first memories is when I was coaching girls basketball and he'd always have a basketball in his hand and he'd sit with me on the bench at the games. I loved going to practice with him even though I was probably around two or three years old. I wanted to be with him. I think that's where our you know, first bonding connection started was you know, back at that point. My dad is my hero. He's always been kind of like my best friend. In a lot of ways, I can say he's my hero. Um, because he is, exemplifies a lot of the qualities and values that you want in life. If somebody says something to him negative about another person, he never responds back negatively. He either avoids it or he turns it into a positive. And to me, that's unique for a lot of people in today's day and age. You know, still to this day, we go and watch jazz games and we watch games on TV. And I hope I can be a dad just like him. You know, I just love like how he is and how he's raised me and my family, and you know, he's just always been a hero of mine. Zach Selyus, our Deep Blue special on BYU Sports Nation. I really have enjoyed uh, this new trend that we've started at BYU TV with these Deep Blue pieces. They're Tr- great. Trust me, Mango Media, Travis, Alex Moore, Landon Moore, uh, I, I work with them. They do all the work. Uh, Flies past me, goes to post-production now. They've done an amazing job. Yeah. And by the way, Zach and his wife this week on Instagram announced they are pregnant with their first child. Outstanding. So, congratulations to them. That's very exciting. I think they said something like, we're going to be more than just dog parents now. <laughs> <laughs> Holding their dog, which is awesome. Oh, so, uh, yes. If it's a boy and it comes out with a mustache, that's going to be really fun. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Our next guest was an early signee at quarterback for the BYU football team, a guy that uh, played in Hawaii at Kahuku and then decided to go to Washington, D.C. and play. 
He is uh, graduating and uh, coming to BYU this fall. We're excited to talk with uh, Sol J. Mayava on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, live from Hawaii. So it's, what, 7.42 in the morning now, Sol J? Oh, yeah. Just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we're excited to have you. Um, I guess what ultimately led uh, to you signing with BYU after a successful high school football career? Um, what led, i uh, just say, you know, Coach A-Rod was a big part of that, you know, and also uh, Coach Grimes and Coach Kalani. I just felt like the BYU staff really loved me, and they showed a lot of love to me, and um, I had a lot of family in Utah, um, and, of course, the spiritual aspects of, you know, the school for me would be a big bonus, you know, keep me on straight and narrow, and plus I want to get uh, sealed to my parents when I turn 21 in the in the temple, so that was a I thought BYU was a good place for me to stay on that track and achieve that goal. Sol Jay, obviously going through the recruiting process is an exciting time, but I have to imagine there's a, to a certain degree you're you're kind of happy when it's when it's done. You can kind of catch your breath a little bit. What, what's what's it been like since you you officially made the the commitment to BYU and you get the reaction from everybody? What's that been like over the last couple of weeks? Uh, it's been pretty fun, you know. I'm just enjoying it, going with the flow. Uh, I hope Cougar Nation's excited because I'm excited. <laughs> um, but it's been good. You know, everybody's been showing me love. A lot of people in my my ward out here. You know, there's a lot of uh, interns that come from BYU that's in my ward in DC. And when they found out, they're all happy and excited and like telling me about the school, about this and that. And uh, it's been it's been a great experience so far, and uh, I'm just enjoying it. Tell us a little bit about your experience and journey from Kahuku uh, on the North Shore there all the way to uh, Washington, D.C. What, what led you, your, I guess, senior year, was it, to go all the way to D.C. and play? Um, I guess my freshman and sophomore year, I was just winging it. You know, I didn't have a QB coach. And then by my junior year, Coach Drew Amovai, who's part of the Elite 11, uh, he hit me up and was like, hey, you want to – Want to come play for me? Um, you know, I'll coach you up on and, you know, 24-7. And, you know, um, I'll be there for you. Um, and then he was like, I got, you want to play the best competition in the nation? And I was like, all right, I'll take a visit. At first I said no, because I didn't want to leave home. But then after I took a visit, I, I just saw the opportunities that they had for me to develop. And I, I decided that nobody, you know, nobody on the rock back home gets this type of opportunity. So I decided to take it. And, and now I'm here. And how did that help you as a as a player in person? Oh, as a player in person, as a player, shoot, I grew a lot. You know, having Coach Drew there, helping me with everything. You know, as far as just throwing mechanics to understanding defenses and my knowledge of the game, really grew a lot from back home. I guess you could say, and um, just developing and progressing as a QB. I feel like back home I was just an athlete throwing the ball, but now with Coach Drew's help. And uh, and everybody else, my family, helping me. Uh, I really just grew into what a true dual threat is supposed to be, I guess. You know, pass first, run if you have to. Um, And as a person, I really matured more. Back home at Kuka, I would just mess around, you know. (laughs) It's it's the island. The island vibes is always fun, that's why. And then then, uh, when I moved to D.C., it was more, I grew more mature, I guess you could say. You know, it's just different. So, bro, it's just different out there. Uh, Competition-wise, is better than Hawaii and everything. The education system is way harder than <laughs> Kuku, that's for sure. So that was a big plus for me, getting ready for college, and um, I just enjoyed it overall.
You mentioned it, talking about the, the dual-threat quarterback. Everybody that we talked to described you as a true dual-threat QB. How would you describe your game? What, what do you think is your, your biggest skill set that you bring to the field? My biggest skill set? Um, yeah, I guess so far, dual-threat, yeah, you could say that. Um, biggest, I guess it's making plays and extending plays. Um, I guess people like that a lot about my my game is that I can extend plays and I can hit people, you know, in awkward positions. And um, I say that's one of my biggest biggest um, assets of my game is just extending plays and making plays when people don't expect it. I think that's pretty much the biggest thing that people like. There are a lot of, uh, of quarterbacks in the National Football League, Soljay, that, uh, that like to do that as well. That's kind of the way quarterback play is going, extending the plays with your legs. Is there anybody you patted yeah. your game after? Is, is there anyone that you've always looked up to as a, as a quarterback that's maybe now playing at the next level? Uh, right now playing at the next level? Um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not, not too sure, but I liked Steve Young growing up. That was my, he was my favorite quarterback of all time. So I try to copy him a little bit. Hey, that's a Coug. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, that Soljay. That's a great one. He's a Coug, yeah. man. That's awesome. <laughs> um, t- tell me about the yeah. story behind your name. It's uh, Sol, S-O-L dash J, Mayava. Oh, what, yeah. What's the origin of the name? Oh, okay, so this is kind of funny. So Sol actually comes from my biological father, but I don't have a relationship with him. But, uh, yeah, so I don't really talk to him I don't claim him as my dad, though, but who is my stepdad, who is Luau, that's who I claim as my dad because he's been there for me all my life. Um, and then Jay is from my uncle Jason Kell, who passed away right before he was about to go to BYU in a car crash, who was going to go play running back for BYU. Mm. Yeah, so that's how I got my name. Gotcha. And your, uh, what are your plans in terms of when you get to BYU? Um, the coaches want me to compete for the job right away. And when will you arrive? It, will it be for fall camp, or are you coming in the uh, uh, spring or summer? Is that the that the plan? I was I was trying to come in the spring, but uh, I decided I'll just wait it off and just come in the summer. Okay, awesome. Well, we're looking forward to uh, you coming to BYU. A lot of uh, it's great quarterback room already. Excited to have you in it, and uh, we appreciate the time, Soldier. Oh, no, thank you guys, man. <laughs> I'm excited as well. Okay, I'm Soljay Mayava on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Excited to have yeah. him. It is a, it is a uh, packed room there with some good players, three of which started in one games last year. So now you bring in a, a kid that uh, played against great competition, yeah. top 20 kind of ranking uh, and one of the top dual threats, elite 11-ish. Well, and, and he said the coaches have asked him to come in and compete. Let's go. Let's, let's, because yeah. we, we saw that this year that, hey – Things happen, right. and Baylor Romney, guess what? You need to be ready. Right. And so BYU will have four scholarship quarterbacks, by the way. They ran with three this year. Yeah. So adding Soljay Mayava. And a uh, cool story to his name. I didn't, I didn't know about his, uh, his uh, uncle, he said. Jason yes. Kale. yes. Yeah. Let's look into that a little Very cool. Bit, so. Really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, it was fantastic. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
Joining us now in Studio B is former BYU basketball sharpshooter, Euro basketball superstar, Jonathan Tavernari. Jonathan, welcome back to the show, man. Appreciate it, guys. How, how's Hawaii? How's the one? How's how, how Hawaii? Hawaii was, Hawaii. Hawaii was amazing. Yeah. See, the 10 is gone. So that's, yeah, you know, it's, it's been a couple. Back weeks. to the snow now. You, lo- uh, you lose it quickly. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was yep. in Portland. It just rained the whole time. After yeah. That. yeah. Well, how are you? I'm good, man. Holidays, first holiday in America in about a decade. So, oh wow. Yeah, it was it was different. Brazil, so, Italy. Yeah, I mean, you know, mainly we were in Italy doing you know the last ten years or so, and it it was different. It's cold. We had a you know white Christmas, which my son loved it, and so yeah. Uh, it's different, I'll tell you that. So I always joke around that in Brazil, Santa shows up with a Hawaiian shirt, you know, and a swim truck. You remember that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's warm down there, you know. <laughs> so exactly you know, right. he comes in on a sleigh, but then he gets on a surfboard and slides He's, down the chimney. And, listen, Santa in Brazil is way more chill. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's just like the other one's like, I need cookies. Like it's just yeah, a lot more. Hey, speaking of Hawaii, uh, on ESPN's uh, bowl game page right now, apparently BYU won the bowl game, thirty-eight, thirty-four. We did not know this. So, and we were at the game. We yeah. we thought we knew we, the we missed of the something. Game. We we missed something. Did they uh, retroactively take away you know a what? touchdown on third and two? The pass came out clean. Mike Simon <laughs> caught it. I got the person and nailed it up. Or, All right. Yes. Merry Christmas. Or maybe there was actually a goal line camera that actually oh, caught the touchdown. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes, yeah. please, so, I mean, please. Let's, 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 let's not talk about that anymore, I'm, right? The wounds uh, are basketball being season. It's it basketball is basketball season, season. It, and yes, there it are it's back up here. There happier things to discuss. It's yes. also always football season here. Don't forget it is. <laughs> We've upgraded our basketballs on the set, by the That's way, Joe. Double hoops, let's right? Go. Yeah. It, it was time. Okay, uh, we just found out from Mark Pope that uh, doctors have given Yoli Childs anywhere from a seven to ten day window before he's back with BYU. Uh, how do you expect BYU to respond to that news, and, and how will things change when he comes back? Well, here we are again without Yoli, right? It's What an interesting season it has been. But if you look at it the way they played against Portland, I mean, they that they were effective, right? Proud of Dalton, can't forget him. I mean, what a, what a season he's having, right? It's uh, the, na- the naysayers will say, well, he should have been doing that the whole time, but woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? So Noah Hartsock could have boxed out. Darrington Hobson against New Mexico, and I would have four championship rings now, right? <laughs> I'll never forget that. Noah, I'm never forgetting that. But, um, but I would, I would wow. tell, but I would tell you this: um, BYU played great against Portland, and love the catchphrase saying, "Say what do you guys?" Saint, Saint Zaga. Zaga, Saint Zaga combination, um, or non Saint Zaga. Well, yeah. it. I thought that the loss to Saint Mary's there was totally acceptable, and the way can, the way they lost, it's how they lose it. Right, I mean, you guys are gonna give me a hard time for saying that the loss to San Diego State at home wasn't a bad loss. It's how they lost it. But if you look at how they played against St. Mary's, how they played against Portland, they 100% have all the tools in place to be able to run the table in conference, beating all the lesser schools. And then when it comes to St. Zagas, as you guys put it, just you know, just let let the cards fall, you know. And so I think that coming up tomorrow against USD, it's another great chance to just stomp them um, and just kind of put it a, a good situation that Yoli probably not going to be here on Saturday, right? And he's not going to play against Gonzaga. And so you get rid of him, you give you know Kobe and Dalton um, and those guys a little bit more rhythm, and you know you, you let the chips fall. But again, someday you guys said twelve and four. I would say twelve and three, well, thirteen and three, to that okay. matter, because the game against home against uh, St. Mary's, you need to win that. 
Otherwise, you're not going to have the head-to-head um, matchup, and you're not going to be above them on second place. And so I think 13-3 is realistic. Um, and, and that's a big question mark, too, is that means uh, you would potentially lose two to Gonzaga. There's your three, right? Um, right. And then if you don't drop another one of those games, you're always in the NCAA tournament. Oh, absolutely. Like, like they'd probably still need the quarterfinal to feel comfortable in Vegas. But if BYU is the two seed, they wouldn't even play a quarterfinal. No. They would just jump to the semis and are probably Pro- in, in at in. that point. So the key almost isn't, and that was what Spencer's brought up with football, is it almost isn't about the good wins at this point. No. It's about avoiding the bad losses. Yes. And if and I'll say this, and you know, I, I can say that we've been on the NCAA train on the bandwagon for quite some time. They finished in second place. Um, they are thirteen and three. I think that's the magic number when it comes to the record for the conference. They are thirteen and three. Um, they finished in the second place um, in the regular season. They put up a great show against St. Mary's in the, in the semifinals. If they automatically go to the to the to the title game in Vegas, I think they're automatic team because right now Joe Lenard is giving them all kinds of love. They have a um, higher seed or a better seed than St. Mary's right now, yeah. and, and and Joe is usually you know it's it, it's not a science, but he almost makes it a science. I mean, we know him and what he's been doing that throughout the years, and so um, I think that right now, and, and it's what we've been saying this entire time: the focus is not on we need to beat St. Mary's, we need to beat Gonzaga. That's not the focus. The focus is what you said, JJ, is we need to not lose the bad games because losing to USD, I mean, think back how the the the, the conference tournament ended last year. We we don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, you know what I mean? And so it's we we don't we need to avoid that, right? And so and again, it's things that it's doable. This team, the way they're playing, slashing and kicking, pump fake, playing inside out through Yoli. It's gonna really, you know, stink and, and not be fun. Not having Yoli, you know, t- uh, tomorrow and, and probably for another week and a half. But this team has shown us, I mean, the, the win against Houston comes to mind, you know. And so it, it's something that this team can Virginia definitely Tech do. Too. Virginia top Tech, now. UCLA, you know, I know UCLA, you know, my dad, my dad is watching right now. My mom and dad is in, you know, they're here from Brazil. But Oi. My, my dad actually says, never give life to a dead man. You know what I mean? And so I think that that's what BYU needs to do. These these teams that are not the top three, you know, the the St. Zags or whatever you guys say, don't give them life. You know what I mean? Just stomp them, beat them, let the last 10, 15 minutes, you know, Trevin now get some rhythm. Um, you know, get these guys, get some get some some burn. Jonathan Tavernari with us on BYU Sports Nation. What kind of chance do you give BYU in Spokane against Gonzaga without Yoli Childs in the lineup? Oh, wow. <laughs> Put me on the spot like that. <laughs> I mean... He, let the chips fall. I mean, I know it's kind of cliche, keep saying, but you go over there, you got nothing to lose. You really don't. You have nothing to lose because that is a game that you're expected to lose. So the pressure Everybody on- in the country would be expected to lose. Literally everybody. The number two team going in is supposed to lose on the road at number one, right? I'm, Literally everybody. All I'm saying is the pressure's on Gonzaga. That, I, and I'm just going from my experience with that my mom taught me that. High school at Gorman, they taught me uh, here at BYU, Coach Rosami. Pressure's not on us, guys. We're going to UNLV. It's a hard place to play. At San Diego State, if it wasn't for Jackson Emory, I would never had a, a win at San Diego State. Um, but it's we have nothing to lose. BYU has nothing to lose. That would be my speech for the guys. Guys, we have nothing to lose. Let's play free. If we win, great. If we get blown out, you know, let's just 
let's just have fun. Let's just enjoy the environment. We get to play the number one team in the country. It's amazing. Right? So let's just enjoy it. Let, let you know, make it, you know, what it is. And it, it was kind of the same speech that Coach Rose gave us in, uh, in Vegas before uh, Louisville and before Carolina. It's like, guys, we're not supposed to win this. Yeah. You know, we're not supposed to do this. And, you know, I happened, I went off and, and Trent went off and, and so forth. But just, just enjoy the moment. How many times, obviously now with Gonzaga is a different uh, a beast, but how many times have BYU played the number one team in the country? I mean, maybe a handful. Just a couple times the last few years. Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. let the ch- just just enjoy the moment. That that's what I would say. All right, JT, great to have you back, man. Hey, appreciate like you guys having me. Close to Tavernari Elite. You got it. Hey, uh, funny story. Um, one of the kids that plays at USD actually came up to my program, so uh, you know nice. it's working. So it's you know, we we don't have anybody good enough yet to bring it to BYU, but we're, <laughs> we're working on that. We're nice. working on that. So nice. Awesome. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We are looking back to push it forward. Today's topic, the BYU quarterbacks. Yeah, we're going to do this once a week uh, for the next uh, forever um, every position group. Every position group. So we start with quarterback, right? Because it's the number one position in football. So 2019. Holy cow. BYU started three guys. All three won a game as a starter. Uh, Jaron Hall didn't finish either of his starts. Baylor <laughs> Romney did and had the best win all year. Against like, Boise amazingly, State. Against Boise State. You could argue USC with Zach Wilson, Tennessee, da, da, da. But, yeah, it was, it was a wild year for the quarterbacks. It was crazy. Another Season where BYU starts at least three different quarterbacks. But as you said, all three of the starting quarterbacks are credited with at least one win. Yeah. That's nuts. And it would have been, uh, it would have been two had, had BYU defeated South Florida. With Jaron Hall. Would have been each guy had two. That's true. And BYU had four on the roster with, with wins. BYU was only, one of only three teams nationally to say that. Joe Critchlow had wins previously. So as we look back to push forward... What needs to change for the BYU quarterbacks for the Cougars to take that next proverbial step forward? It all, it all starts in, not necessarily ends, but maybe with Zach Wilson. So Zach Wilson played the tough competition. Tanner Mangum had to do it in 2018, and then Zach came in against the easier teams, and now Zach Wilson had to do it with four power fives in a row. Zach's uh, stats uh, weren't as good because he played the tougher teams. Uh, in fact, uh, let's break that down a little bit. Uh, both Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney in limited action had a 150-plus pass efficiency rating. Zach was 130 against tougher competition. And Zach played six teams that won at least eight games. Woo! That's a lot. I've said before, to me, the minimum threshold for a good team in college football is eight wins, regardless of how many games you play. Got to get to eight. Typically, that's 12 or 13, right? Sometimes it's 14. Uh, let's break down his performance in those six games. So the four power fives to start the season. Utah and Tennessee and USC and Washington. Two and, and then, two. And then at the end, San Diego State and Hawaii both end up with 10 wins. So 61% passing, good enough. 265 pass yards a game, good enough. Okay. 6.9 yards per attempt. You want that a little higher in the sevens, hanging around eight. Sure. But the next thing I'm going to tell you is the shocker, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. And Wilson, six starts versus teams who won eight-plus games. So these are the good teams. He had a total of six touchdowns, three pass, three rush, 
and nine turnovers. Oh, man. Seven picks and two fumbles lost. One notably at the goal line that probably is a touchdown if they have a car cam, but in the end, it is a fumble. Well, not only that, Jaron, but they were devastating turnovers. How many of those were returned for touchdowns? Toledo is nearly returned for a touchdown, right? Washington, there were few. Uh, Utah, there was one, right? So that's tough. Zach Will, I believe that Zach Wilson can be a quarterback that leads BYU to nine or ten wins. I really do. I would love to see him turn a page. He took a step backwards this year. And how much of that was related to injury concerns and recovering from shoulder surgery? Let's talk about it. So in the first four, Zach Wilson is going up against tough competition. He gets hurt against Toledo, breaks the thumb. He returns later against Idaho State. Kind of struck. Didn't have a great game against Idaho State. Um, And and then blows out UMass. Like you could have had three touchdown passes against UMass. And then um, (laughs) had Zach Wilson stayed in the game, he would have had 10. Like it would have been He would have broken a record at BYU. Yeah. but we have isolated the games against a good competition, right? Then he plays San Diego State. Tremendous defense. We talked about it. But only three points. Not enough. BYU failed inside 42 often. Missed some field goals, of course. And then Hawaii. 34 points should be enough to win. But BYU needs one more score there. They, they really do. And third and two. That throw's got to be better, right? Zach Wilson will be the first one to tell you he didn't have a good enough 2019 season. But I believe that Zach Wilson is the future. I believe Zach Wilson will be the starter next year. I believe it should be competitive with Jaron Hall. I believe Baylor Romney will be there as well. But Zach Wilson struggled in the toughest games. He's got to be better. And if you're always going to play these schedules, you've got to get better quarterback play out of this. Start. Certainly. And just based on how the coaches handled all of the Zach Wilson injury scenarios and recovery scenarios throughout the season, that tells me that he has been given a longer leash. Like, the patience right. is there with right. him. Like, sure. okay, well, let's have him, let him have a full off season where he's not recovering from shoulder surgery and he's not trying to come back too soon, in my opinion, from a broken thumb. Yes, well, that much was clear, right, against San Diego State. For some reason, it wasn't clear against UMass. It was easy. But against San Diego State, the ball did not come out of his hand the same. Hawaii was fine. He had three weeks extra and it was okay. But he probably had to come back a little early because Jaron Hall was hurt. And because Baylor and, Romney's foot and, was not okay. And we knew this, but couldn't say it. Baylor Romney re-injured his foot during the season. Otherwise, Baylor Romney could have been the starter potentially or come in against San Diego State. Baylor Romney doesn't even warm up against San Diego State. And Jaron Hall is not back from a second concussion. So Zach Wilson, I think, was probably forced into, not forced, but chose to, you know what, I'm not 100%. I can't throw the ball the same, but I'm going to. And I'm not going to say it out loud, but that was probably the situation. And then we saw what happened against San Diego State. Good team, but the ball didn't come out the same. And he had pressure in his face. Yeah, I am convinced that if Baylor Romney were 100% healthy, that Zach Wilson probably wouldn't have played a ton against UMass, and maybe he comes out full bore against San Diego State, but he had already played a full game. He would have had two weeks more to rest exactly, the thumb. Exactly, exactly. Right? He would have had more time to rest the thumb. Baylor Romney would have started some more games, yes. and then maybe Zach's a little bit stronger later I, in the season. I wonder with the wrist, that not the thumb, the wrist, because how, how strong could that have been kept over a six- to eight-week period, right? That would be tough as well. So that certainly uh, changes things. Um, do you have anything else to talk about, Zach? Because I want to talk about Jaron. No, I, I was just going to say, I, I want to give you my quarterback depth chart, but you talk about Jaron first, and then I'm going to give you my quarterback depth chart going into 2020. Jaron Hall is the most intriguing thing about BYU football, in, in my opinion, because 
We saw what he could do. He was against Utah State. He's probably going to do a 400-100, which hasn't been done that many times in the history of college football. Not since Taysom Hill against Houston in 2013. At least from BYU, right? Um, Jaron Hall is intriguing. Like, can this guy play against Power Five teams and win? I'm not sure we're going to find out, barring an injury. I, I think that it's Zach Wilson's job. I think that Jaron Hall is as good of a backup as BYU's had in a while. Maybe since Christian Stewart, right? Um, and Christian Stewart was battling the depression of losing off of 4-0, right? And, and then that was hard. Jaron Hall's intriguing. I, I think Baylor Romney, if he starts for BYU, that's five to seven wins as well. Like, where, the ceiling is highest with Zach Wilson. And Jaron Hall, it's like right there, if not equal to, with Zach Wilson. But we don't know. We've only seen this dude play, what, five quarters? Five quarters as a limited, starter? Yes, limited three, time. Three and a half, five and a half quarters. It's a limited case study. Yes, and, the, and what we saw against two winnable games was awesome. Okay, so listen to this. BYU, in a weird way, can be like the New Orleans Saints, Jerem. Get jobbed by the refs continually? With their three quarterbacks. Oh, the jobbing by the refs is absolutely <laughs> a parallel with the New Orleans Saints, okay? Zach Wilson... Drew Brees, QB1, QB1. It's quite the comp there. I'm, I'm not saying that Zach Wilson is okay, Drew okay, Brees. Okay, Just okay, comparing okay. the scenario. Like, the New Orleans Saints are dealing with a scenario similar to BYU with their three quarterbacks. Baylor Romney, to me, is like Teddy Bridgewater. Not super mobile. Mobile enough, but is going to come in, get the job done. Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and in, in uh, his time replacing Baylor Drew Brees. Baylor needs to wear a glove. Okay. Baylor comes in. Beats Boise State, uh, came in against beats Utah State Liberty. in the second half, beats Liberty. All he did was exactly what the coaches asked him to do, reliable backup. Jaron Hall is kind of the Taysom Hill factor. He could do a bunch of things because of his athleticism. They have special packages for Jaron Hall, even when Zach Wilson is healthy in the quarterback. They put Jaron in to run different things and run double passes. BYU has a scenario like the New Orleans Saints. How's it all going to shake out? They should wave Jaron? No, they should not wave Jaron. <laughs> That's but, what's going to happen. With but Teddy. I think Jaron yeah. Hall is in line because of his concussions and injury status to be more like a Taysom Hill specialty quarterback <sighs> coming wish, in and do things. Baylor I wish Romney. We could see what he could do. Baylor Romney's more of the Teddy Bridgewater. I think Baylor Romney should be the backup to Zach Wilson, and then Jaron Hall should be the Taysom Hill type player for BYU. Yeah, it's it's quite a stretch. Uh, I mean that that that's in how I would approach view. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, BYU has two really good court. BYU has three starters. Yes. When when could we say that the third string? Half the fan base doesn't know the third string's name most of the time, but they do. So BYU's loaded. Also, by the way, Soljay Mayava will come in. I anticipate he would probably redshirt, given that none of those three are seniors. So oh. it's it's he can wait it. And don't forget Jacob Conover's out there. It's the second year of his mission. Yes, yes, he, it he is. He won't be on the team. Yeah, he won't year. be on the team, but he's he's still out there. So yeah. it's it's an interesting conversation moving forward. As Five O once said in an American tale, somewhere. Picks, predictions, and one on BYU Sports Nation. Going into the basketball match, we were tied at twenty twenty, the the year of our Lord, right now. Uh, so our picks. You want to do Spencer's? Yeah, but I'm go? trying to figure out why I'm not my my standings are not being tabulated right now. Because they stink. Yuli Childs told me my New Year's resolution should be having better and one day. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Can't argue with it, Yoli. I can't. Yeah. So here were Spencer's picks from Portland. 
His first one, BYU will shoot 39-plus percent from three. Swish! They did. They shot Swish! 50%. Not bad. And his and one. Give us some of that. And one. TJ Haas will score 20-plus. Uh, TJ passed the ball too much. Had 13 points. He passed the ball too much. First career double-double, though. 14 assists is insane. That's insane. Wow. And zero turnovers. Okay, my pick. BYU by 17 minus. All you whiners. About 17 plus. I could have gone 17 plus, but I didn't. I listened to you. This is the last time I listened to you about the 17 plus thing. I missed it. And my N1 pick that doesn't even matter. Neither team will shoot 39% uh, plus... From three. Yeah, BYU shot 50%, 15 of 30. It was a tremendous display in every way by the BYU Cagers uh, on Saturday. You know why they call them the the Cagers, by the way? Um, Because you put a cougar in a cage? I don't know. Well, uh, back in the day, uh, not only in the Smith Fieldhouse, but other places, there would be a a cage. Like the exterior. Like a steel cage match? Well, like a no, like a fence that yeah, okay. on the baseline. So where the track is in the Smithfield House, that yeah. used to be a cage. So, you, so you could look through. In fact, it still is. They just cover it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So make the Cougar sense. Cagers. That's the origin of that. They Alrighty didn't care then. to no. Uh, updated standings: Spencer twenty-two. Uh, I have twenty, and Jason has who cares? The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We're down to four teams in the NFL playoffs. Daniel Sorensen and the Chiefs play the Titans in the AFC title game. The Titans, awesome, crazy. While Fred Warner and the Niners host Jamal Williams and the Packers coming up this Sunday. I think I know your answer, but let's hear it. Which former Cougar is most likely to make it to the Super Bowl? And we are guaranteed to get at least one. Yeah, let's let's be honest here. I, uh, you know where I'm going. I'm going with, with my Kansas Jamal City Williams Chiefs and the Packers and Daniel Sorensen. I, I look, and it's and it's. Not because of the defense that I'm going that direction. It's it's because this there is no offense left in this in this postseason for the NFL that can compete with what the Chiefs can put up. That's the Packers. That's the Niners. That's the Titans. Nobody can score like the Chiefs can score. Are you afraid of Derrick Henry? I am scared to death of Derrick Henry. King Henry. Yes. So, but I'm hopefully, and I fully expect. Here's how I think this is going to play out. Say it. I fully expect the Super Bowl right now to be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers. I think that's how this is. A lot of red for me. Well, yeah. Trust me, I, I know. Uh, I think it's going to be very difficult to go against those home teams. Now, that doesn't mean that both teams, Tennessee and, and, and Green Bay, can't go in and win. But you certainly would not pick either one of them in these scenarios. The cool thing is that a BYU player winning a Super Bowl has a 75% chance of happening. The, the only scenario, winning the Super Bowl. Winning yeah, the, yeah, Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, yeah. The, the only scenario that plays out where a Cougar does not get a ring at the end of the year is if the Tennessee Titans screw things up. And the I don't see the Titans winning the Super Bowl. I, I, like, I don't. Maybe they do, but I don't. How about this, though? Brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. This is pretty cool. A Cougar will play in the Super Bowl for the fourth straight season. And by the way, that is the longest streak since a 13-year streak between 1980 and 1992. So what happened between 80 and 92, people? Go ahead and say it out loud. National Championship, Heisman. Yeah, it was a good good time. Uh, 
I like your Daniel Sorensen pick. Uh, I think it's Fred Warner and the Niners. Uh, the Niners already played the Packers this year. Mm-hmm. The score was 37-8 to for the Niners. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers threw for 104 yards. I, certainly the Packers could go and win this one, but having watched the Niners closely as a Seahawks fan and witnessed some crazy games, right, the only real matchup that gave the Niners problems was the Seahawks. That was the only one. And they get two plays down to the literally the last play, right, at, at the goal line or a field goal uh, in reverse order. I think it's Fred Warner and the Niners. It is exciting, though, that we could see, you know, BYU guys uh, playing in the Super Bowl. Hopefully there's multiple. That would be fantastic. And uh, looking for, well, yeah, looking forward to uh, Fred Warner and the Niners, Jamal Williams and the Packers, and Dennis Sorensen and the Chiefs. Not to mention Andy Reid. I, I think if you're a BYU fan, you're kind of going for the Chiefs and Andy to get to a second Super Bowl and have a chance at that one, uh, because he's a Hall of Fame coach now, but if he gets that one Super Bowl ring, it's like, for sure. And, and, and I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact stat. I, he has the longest streak yes. as a coach in the postseason without having a Super it's Bowl chance. It's 27. 20, 27. 27. 27. Okay. I, I think it's 27. Look, yeah, it, it it's would be too it, many. It, here's, here's the other cool part about the BYU angle for this. Now, Jamal, a, a little bit to a lesser degree recently, mm-hmm. but you, these aren't just guys who are on the roster. You know what I mean? These, right. these, are, these are former BYU players who are contributing. And may, I mean, you're talking about Fred Warner leading the Niners in sacks. Daniel Sorensen, while he doesn't start, plays the majority of these games, and we saw and what he did. He changed the game he, he, with yes. the solo tackle yes. on the fake punt, which why do you fake a punt <laughs> at your own, like, 30, up 24? That's one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, in, in even even with Jamal, there were there were spots throughout the season where he was the guy they were leaning on. So it, these aren't just former Cougars on rosters; they're contributing and, and making a difference in these games. It's great. What if? What if? Yeah, <laughs> he does speak on that. Where? Hand me the blue goggles. Let's see. You need that. No, you need yeah, that's right. Blue goggles. Yeah, number one. Blue goggles. Okay. Blue goggle what alert. if Blue goggle alert. BYU beats BYU Gonzaga? Okay, first and foremost, then BYU starts to believe they have a real chance to win the West Coast Conference Championship. Regular attorney, what are you talking Regular about? season. Mm. BYU starts to believe they have a real shot to win the regular season championship in the West Coast Conference if they beat Gonzaga in Spokane, which is crazy, right? Half the battle of these goggles is that when you say something, you can't be taken seriously with these goggles on. <laughs> True. You know what I mean? But I feel like I need him on to even think about this. To even go there mentally. And I know that BYU has won in Spokane three times, and they did it against number three Gonzaga the first time. You shaved your head mm-hmm. for crying out loud. Then they Someone did it asked against me last night. You're going to do it? And I'm like, no, I learned my lesson. Number 25 Gonzaga no. the next no. year when Nate Austin blocked a shot. And then they did it against the undefeated and number one ranked Zags on senior night with a BYU team that didn't go to the big dance. So I, I know that they're, little dance. they're capable, but last year BYU got blown out and spoke in. So do the three wins matter for this game? No. As much as I'd like to say they do, they don't matter. What do you mean they don't matter? Well, it doesn't affect this game. Like I, I feel like the, the hex is over now that Gonzaga mm-hmm. kind of exercised that last year. I believe in there's a believability that victory. Yeah. Like TJ Hawes was a freshman when BYU beat the number one Zags. So it's been three years, right? And he's one of just a couple that I think that are no. still around. 
I'm trying to think if anyone else was on that. Yoli was on that. Charles yeah. was on that team. What yeah. if, Jim, they'd be a top 25 team for sure? BYU would be ranked, I think, if BYU beats Gonzaga. It could be ranked, yeah. I, I think it'd be the most improbable win BYU would have had since the last one against Gonzaga. Right? Do you need these? Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. BYU makes national news. Uh, The number one team in college basketball would have lost like a bunch, right? The last several weeks, besides Gonzaga. Yeah, the conference title race. I agree with you. The conference title race. All of a sudden, BYU goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Could we win the league? Like, if we can beat Gonzaga, we can do this." That would be the high, though. What, What we are prone to do, us and the fan base, is think that the average is the high, or vice versa. It's like, wait, that's not. That's the pinnacle moment that's not who you are every game right and who we've seen BYB every game is a top 35 team I don't need goggles for that point no you don't uh people consider BYU just outside the top 25 right it's somewhere in the 25 to 35 range so if BYU wins this all of a sudden bang let's go uh BYU's top 20 in in top 25 in some metrics right Ken Palm and BPI BYU's top uh in in the 20s BYU would be ranked for the first time since Jimmer Fredette in a major national poll right I can't recall a time BYU basketball yeah, has been ranked since been 2011. In. They would be ranked if they beat Gonzaga, have this belief they can win the conference championship. And, Jerem, don't you feel like they would assure themselves at least a top-two finish in the West Coast Conference if they did this? Likely. Yeah. We haven't seen BYU go out on the road in league to win some of these kind of weird games on a Thursday night in Stockton. We're going to see that next week, right? I would want to see some of that. I yeah. believe BYU is less prone to be the team they have been the last several years of, and not last year, but except the WCC quarterfinal, where BYU, with these seniors and the sense of urgency and a new head coach, they are less prone to these weird losses in my opinion. 2019 is over. We can assess how BYU's 2020 teams did in 2019 and look ahead to the 2020 schedule. So, Spencer, will the 2020 BYU football schedule be easier than 2019? I hope it's easier. Good (laughs) grief. 2019 was so tough. BYU finished a 7-6. They did pick up some good wins at Tennessee. They beat USC. They beat Boise State. But... Then you wonder how much they had left in the tank because they lose to San Diego State and Hawaii to close out the season. Both 10-win teams. And in the middle of it, lose at Toledo and USF. So just kind of a weird roller coaster season. But it was tough. Nine bowl-eligible teams on the schedule. Because it's hard to make a bowl game. (laughs) No, it's not. All you have to do is go 500. 80 teams make a bowl game. 80, dude. (laughs) It's not hard. You can be exactly mediocre. It's like 60% of college football that makes a bowl game. It's gnarly. Okay? Yeah, and in some instances, you don't even have to be 500 to make a bowl game. No, I feel you. Like a team that's 6-6 and better than a losing Yes, yes. I get it. BYU played a tough schedule. Now, this question is based off of the way-too-early top 25 for next season that ESPN's put out, Sports Illustrated's put out, and there is a consensus there that BYU will play two ranked teams when the season begins. It's Minnesota and Boise State. Both oh, okay. Not ranked Utah. Right around not, 18 to 20 for both Michigan of those State, teams. Not Michigan State, not Arizona State, no. not Missouri, not yeah. Stanford. So Utah is bringing back a brand new team because they graduate. their quarterback. They're running back. Yeah, and as you said, Jeremy, Michigan ten, State. It's 10 starters on defense. Arizona State. Houston's going to have a new quarterback. Derek King is transferring. Utah State, what are they going to be? Missouri's kind of in the basement of the SEC. San yeah. Diego State has to come to Provo. And Stanford wasn't great last year either. It was an off year. So 
Will it be easier? Jeremy, I think it will be. I'm looking at all these names. I think the schedule next year will actually be easier than what BYU faced in 2019. Wrong. Really? Here's, here's what I think. Okay. Uh, and who knows? It, we have to project and guess. Otherwise, we wouldn't have much to say here, right? Um, I think it's harder. Here's why. You have two more Power 5 teams. Granted, they're winnable games. But a power, a mediocre Power 5 team is better than a mediocre Group of Five team or decent group really of five because teams, right? BYU beat some pretty good Power Five teams and lost to some mediocre Group of Five teams in 2019 and lost well <laughs> lost to some good Power Five teams too. Um, yeah, at Utah, I'm never going to think BYU is going to win that game until they win it. Just I've been jaded too much by the streak. Right? Understandable. And BYU is up 20 points. Understandable. Two years ago, Michigan State always tough. Seven and six last year. Always winnable tough. game. It's in Provo. Winnable game. Yeah, I every every game on the schedule is winnable. Maybe at Minnesota is going to be the most challenging. That's a team that comes back probably top 15. Did we feel that way about the 2019 schedule? Every game's winnable. No. No. We didn't think, I didn't think Washington was winnable, and we thought Utah was winnable. Okay. It wasn't. Which is, again, why I'm leaning towards 2020 being easier. Yeah. Two quality uh, G5s, Boise State and San Diego State, right? Other yeah. G5s, Utah State and Houston. Here's the thing. You remember November? It was just like, this is easy. This is easy. It's until San Diego State, BYU had three gimmies. BYU only has one gimme this year. I think that plays into this. I think that BYU is going to sit in the 5-7 to seven win range somewhere in there. This is a tough schedule again. Yet, I wouldn't be shocked if BYU won 8. But they have some things to figure out, notably at quarterback, which we'll discuss later. I, I think it's important to acknowledge uh, just at Boise State, BYU isn't one in the blue. Is this the year? Does BYU end the streak against Utah? BYU is this close from being a 5-win team and this close from being a 9-win team. Right? Mm-hmm. They're hovering in that 7 Win distinction the last two years, and winning a couple of close ones will change that. But six power fives, they go, ugh, here we go again. Four on the road, uh, sorry, four to start, three on the road. BYU had three or four at home, right? That's how you go two and two. Whew. Yet BYU won at Tennessee. They got one of those big road wins Yeah, early. BYU always does. They just don't get enough. They lost to Utah at home and then went and beat Tennessee. I mean, go figure. And at the time, Tennessee stunk. They just lost to Georgia State. That was a winnable game. What's so tough about this is we make our projections based off of the last thing we saw from each of these programs, right? And sure. then that's all we know. Have coming yeah. back, we not, we don't know, and that's the beauty of it. We don't know how good or how bad or how mediocre all of these teams are going to be. But I, based on what BYU faced in 2019, because we have the 2020 vision to look back on that and say, okay, we know what those teams were. Yeah, 2020 vision. I. I don't know that 2020 will be as difficult as 2019. Is BYU going to face nine bowl-eligible teams? Then win eight games. Then win eight Let's games. Let's go. I'm all for so it. So if they don't win eight games, then it's a failure then, if it's, e- if it's easier. If they win seven, then it's equally as difficult as the 2019 schedule? Or BYU wasn't as good. Okay. Right? All we, right. we talked about the opponents. We didn't talk about how BYU was. Sure. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Matt Bushman with us in Studio B. Matt, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. All right, tell us about the number one deciding factor in your choice to return for a senior year instead of pursue the NFL. Um, I feel like there wasn't necessarily like one huge deciding factor. For me, it was kind of, I mean, I, like my wife and I were back and forth 
a lot of the time, like, okay, I think we're going. And then the next day, okay, wait, maybe we should be, maybe we should stick it out. It was just back and forth. It was really hard to, to figure out what to do. And, um, for us, it was more just like a win-win either way. Um, if I went for it, it'd be great. I think I would have been able to have a shot and succeed in the NFL. Just you never know what can happen. But I also was confident that, okay, I can fine-tune some things, get get better in this offseason, have a healthy offseason, and uh, overall just hopefully hopefully improve and improve that stock going coming into after playing next season. So just a bunch of small things, but... After, at the end of the day, it just felt better to to stick it out and finish my finish my career here. When did you come to this conclusion? Um, I talked with the coaches like uh, a little bit. Like our final little talk was in Hawaii, and yeah, we just kind of figured that it would be best if I stayed and um, with some opportunities to not only me but just use our all of our players to just utilize us more to our strengths and. Um, that's what that's what hopefully we're going to do, and I think that can that can help our team succeed more. I know you have to be very careful in who you talk to and when you talk to them as you decide between school and going to the NFL. But what kind of feedback were you getting from personnel that matter at the next level? Yeah, I mean it was it's hard. Like sometimes you just wish it'd be more set in stone, like what your what your stock is, because people say, yeah, you have a shot to go. I mean, if you tested really well and had great numbers you could be who knows like a third or fourth rounder but other people are like well you just don't know how the draft goes if certain positions get drafted before the tight ends who knows you could go all the way six seven maybe even undrafted so it's just really if I would have left I would have just had to bet on myself and train really hard and just think that I could have put up some great numbers but yeah I mean at the end of the day it just who knows what's going to happen next year, but I'm just excited for another season with the team and um, just hopefully we can all improve. Who helped influence you the most in this uh, decision? Um, definitely, I mean, it was definitely just my wife and I. I mean, my parents, it's just, it's just cool to, for me, it's been a dream of mine to play professional sport. Like I grew up playing football, basketball, baseball, and I always just said, I don't know what I want to do. I just want to play in the pros. So just knowing that, like, Heavenly Father saw my, was able to understand my dreams and my goals, and just to have that chance, that was that was huge. So, I mean, my parents were super excited once I was getting, a, like, that attention. Um, my in-laws also. I mean, knowing Chad, who's been able to make it at the next level and do really well, um, just listening to him. and But, yeah, I mean, there was, at the end of the day, it was just, Emily and myself just trying to tune out the stuff that we didn't really want to hear and the extra stuff saying like encouraging us to go because I mean once you have a shot to go to the NFL everyone it's like man you got to go for it but um, once we just realized it'd be better to stay we just kind of had to tune out some of those things and make that decision for ourselves. Yeah, it's tough when uh, guys like Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper are saying Matt Bushman is an NFL tight end, not to be kind of swayed in that direction. But you've mentioned you wanted to hone your craft. So where do you feel like you can get better the most before you do take that NFL step? Um, Some of the things that I realized after this season um, and just during this season, I mean, blocking is always going to be something that I will need to improve at and get better at throughout my 
who knows how long my career goes for, but that's just something that I, I know I'll need to work on and just staying low, getting more flexible. And um, the other big thing is I felt like I, I'm pretty good at getting open in zone. When a defense is playing zone, I can find the little holes, but I could definitely be more physical when man-to-man defense and guys are pressing me. Um, just my releases and just being more physical at the, at the top of my routes. How'd you feel about your stats? Uh, 47 catches, 688 yards. That's a, a personal best for you in a season, and four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean it was it's cool just to just to see. I mean it's it's fun getting catching the ball and making plays, but I mean I'd say for myself and kind of as a team, we we weren't super happy with the way we finished out the season or just the season in general. We won some cool games, lost some games that we definitely should have won, and. It's just motivating um, just to see we have a tough schedule coming up next next year. We play a lot of really good teams. So, I mean, we just have to get after it, and hopefully we can just work together better as a team and um, have, a, have a great last season for myself and Kyrus and all the other seniors. We found out the 2020 season will open on a Thursday night officially against Utah. So another Thursday night, primetime spectacular in the rivalry format, this time in Salt Lake City. What do you think of playing the Utes again on Thursday night to open the season? I mean, I'm excited whenever, whenever we play them. Um, it's, an exciting, it's an exciting game, and I mean, this will be my last, my last hurrah against them. So we're, uh, we're going to work really hard this offseason to figure out the best way we can compete with them and um, hopefully beat them this for my last year. You caught passes from three different starting quarterbacks. Describe what that experience was like as you try and create a chemistry with that guy and an understanding and the ball comes out of his hand differently, whatever. Three different dudes, and they're all back uh, going into 2020. Yeah, I mean, during the season, it's definitely hard. Like, preseason, you want to get that chemistry, and then once the season hits, you're like, that chemistry should be made already. Um even, even with, like, the third stringer? That's not that typical, right? Well, I, yeah, it? no, it's, that's not typical. So once that happened, like, it was definitely hard, I think, for our offense and for some receivers just to – the quarterbacks understand what we're expecting and what we, what we want to do and the timing of everything. It's, it's tough, but I think our quarterbacks did a good job of making up for that and um, still figuring it out. So going into this season, I mean, I've played with a bunch of different quarterbacks in my career – just because of injury, um, I'm just going to do the best that I can to gain that chemistry with those three guys instead of focusing on one or two guys. Um, yeah, so this offseason is going to be interesting, just working with all of them. BYU now senior tight end Matt Bushman with us on so BYU old. Sports Nation. I know, senior. old man Bushman what? in Studio B. What? If you could compare your game and your skill set to a guy in the NFL or maybe someone you want to pattern yourself after, who are you looking at the next level? Um, I mean, there's a few guys that I've watched film, and ideally I'd want to pattern myself after guys like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. I mean, they're they're ballers, and they, they know how to get open. They know how to win. So those are guys that I want to become. Um, but also guys like, I mean, Zach Ertz is doing a great job. He's had a great career. Um, Eric Ebron with the Colts. Just guys like them that um, still can get the job done blocking, but – 
are really good receiving tight ends and know how to get open in pretty much any situation. I'm just envisioning you growing your hair out like George Kittle and then saying, can you smell what we're cooking? <laughs> that really would be your personality, that would be a personality right? personality change. Complete, complete 180. Now, now, riddle me this. In a year from now, when we're talking to you and you're training for the NFL, you're growing out a beard immediately? Is that a thing? Like, are you growing your hair out in a year? I don't know. I mean, we'll have to make sure my, my beard can fully grow out you know <laughs> I, I have i can grow out like a decent facial hair but some guys come back and it's a full-on beard and i don't think i can do that quite yet so i'll have to rub some of that beard cream on <laughs> throughout this year and see what i can do you didn't mention chad is one of those tight ends by the way is that going to be weird at- well, I was just, oh my. <laughs> you gotta you gotta mention the current guys. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel I just don't want it to be where it's Sunday dinner. You know, You're like, awful. hey, I saw the interview. What's uh, up with that? Chad has no issue with you wanting to pad in your uh, game after Travis Kelsey. Should, I promise. You that. should say a Tula Mealy every time. That'd be funny. Yeah. That might be a little too awkward. <laughs> Matt, great to have you in studio, B man, and uh, it, it props to you for making a really tough decision. It's good to have you back. Thank you. I appreciate it. Glad to be back. Okay. Thanks, man. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. BYU Sports Nation says, hashtag this. Okay, we'll present a subject and then we have to come up with a hashtag for it. So let's begin. Jason, a cougar is going to play in the Super Bowl for the fourth straight year. Hashtag this. Hashtag as long as it's Sorensen. <laughs> Beyond that, it's cool, but it doesn't mean as much to me as if it's Daniel Sorensen and the Kansas City Chiefs. Is there another Sorensen on any of the three teams is my question. Not that I'm aware of. Like the of. Titans have some special teamer. Then I should Bob have said Sorenson. hashtag as long as it's Dirty Dan. Yeah, Dirty Dan, exactly. Yeah. I say hashtag it's good to be good. These are good players on good teams. Yes. It's Contributing. It's, Yes. What BYU's experience has been in the NBA recently was minimal opportunities, and if they were on a team, it was on a bad team, right? Um, Kyle Collinsworth on the Mavs, uh, Brandon Davies on the Sixers, Jimmer on wherever he could land. This is a more fun experience as a BYU fan to watch these guys at this level. Awesome. Okay, next one. St. Mary's falls to Santa Clara at home. Hashtag this. Hashtag what a shame. Uh, St. Mary's opening the door. Yeah. Holding it open for BYU to walk through to try and take second. Two losses already to non-Brigzaga teams. No. You don't like it? Yeah. I've got an idea, but I'm going to run Gun- past you in the next break before okay. I go on air with it. Yeah, I just thought of another one. I was like, yeah, it might be a little sketchy. That um, may be the same thing we're thinking <laughs> yes, of. Yes, <laughs> the, the combo of that. I, I think this is a great opportunity for BYU. Yet, you want St. Mary's to be good because BYU's win on February 1st, should BYU do it at home, needs to matter. Right now, that's a quad two game. For BYU, it's not a quad one. Uh, my hashtag is hashtag should have been us. BYU was so close to winning that game. Even though St. Mary's had, had gone up by seven and nine, BYU never let it get too far out of reach. They made their runs, actually took a lead, and just couldn't close it out. So, yeah, hashtag should have been us. That was there for the taking, especially now that you see that it was that, that loss at St. Mary's was bookended by two losses by the Gales. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, St. Mary's is an overtime uh, win away from being 0-3. I know, it's crazy. And with they probably need right more there. Australians. 
<laughs> There's not enough. Oi, oi, oi. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Hashtag this. Hoops jumping to number 26 in the Ken Palm rankings. What do you think? Hashtag basically top 25. I'm going with top 25 when you're that close. In Ken Palm, which is a metric-based uh, determination. If BYU uh, in, in Ken Palm, per 100 possessions, how many points you score, yep. that's your offensive adjusted efficiency. This is your nerd alert of the day. And then defensively, how many you allow per 100 possessions points. That's what it is. So BYU was 24 Yesterday, yeah. 26 today, based on the games that were played Sunday. BYU almost there. So, yeah, I, I did hashtag almost 25. Yeah, top it, 25. It's, it's very much like, like when, you're, when you're at a certain age, but you're getting closer to the next birthday, and so you're so you're, you kind of say, ah, I'm already this. Or you go, I'm you As know, you get older, you don't do that. No, or, yeah. you don't do that. You're trying to reach down, not up. No one's like, I'm 39, I'm basically 40. They're like, I don't want to tell anyone how old I am. <laughs> I'm almost 40. I'm freaking out. I know. That's Spencer and I right now. I know. Not like, it's all three not of like us. you and... Let's just move on. <laughs> I was going to say, not like you and Ben, the, the wise guys of the group. All right. <laughs> Next one. The rock band playing Rush as tribute to Neil Peart during the basketball game. Neil Peart, the, uh, the drummer for Rush, passing away last week. Hashtag appropriate. This was awesome. And, and it wasn't just that The Rock played it. It was that... All the NFL games, at least yeah. once, went to break with Rush. I happen to be a fan of Rush. I didn't know much about Rush until I saw the obsessed Canadian Greg Rebell yes. over Canadian band Rush. have since watched a few documentaries on Getty Lee and the, and the band and everything. This was a really cool nod to a moment where um, I think as a country we were like, that guy was an incredible yeah. drummer, and everyone knows it. I said hashtag classy for many of the same reasons that, that you brought up. And, and honestly... I associate Rush with Greg. Be- yeah, because he's been to like a good show. Well, and, and, and because he, he talks about it, he makes references. I know he's such a huge super fan of Rush. So the, as soon as this news came down, I immediately thought of Greg and, and what I he was feeling. I asked him Saturday if he was okay, yeah. how he was doing. Yeah, I mean, really, it's, yeah. yeah and it, it was cool, like you mentioned, the NFL games, everybody. Yeah. And it, it's stuff like that. It's the pop culture stuff that really does unite a lot of people that yeah. maybe you don't necessarily realize that you have a lot in common with. Yeah. I had a moment last night where I was up, up uh, kind of Draper up high up in the hills coming back down, mm-hmm. and I was playing Rush, and it was just beautiful Utah County coming down with the lights. It was dark. I was like, oh, this is, this is a nice moment. Yeah. So it was fun. All right, hashtag this. Volleyball with four ranked wins in the first four matches of the season. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, hashtag bump, set, dominate, that's what it Killing was. Killing it right now. That's also a pun for volleyball. <laughs> so, Can you dig it? Yeah. So I, I set you up. Yeah. I was really impressed on Friday that BYU was able to come out and get the sweep. Then when you follow that up with another sweep, you're in a nice little groove right now. So, yeah, very impressive with BYU men's volleyball. Hashtag perfection. BYU's gone on the road and beaten Loyola, Chicago, Lewis, now two with Penn State. These are four really good wins. Go to Mount Olive, get a couple of victories there, showcase the team, and give the BYU fans in North Carolina an opportunity to see you in person. Um, perfection. So far, so good. All right. Um, last one. Final college football game of the season is tonight. Hashtag this. Hashtag go Tigers. Which one, though? Mm, See, so you're covering your bases I think either I'm, way. I think I'm going for Clemson. I want I, Clemson to win. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a great game. I have no idea who's going to win. I, both quarterbacks, incredible, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. All I know is Ed Orgeron winning the national championship would be entertaining. 
And the but, guy that does the Ed Orgeron uh, yes. impersonation after Ed Orgeron winning would be good. Exactly. What's your hashtag? Uh, I'm going to go with hashtag I've moved on. You've I, moved on. Yeah, honestly, from, once what? BYU's bowl game is done and the season is over, I, I mentally and emotionally kind of move on. I move on to college basketball, the NBA, and, and gearing it's up towards It's the national base. championship I know, I, game. Honestly, I may what? watch some of it, but it's, may? it's not like high priority for me. It's just not. So once the once BYU season is over, emotionally and mentally, I kind of move on. I'm sad for you. <laughs> I'm fine. That wraps up hashtag this presented by BYU Food to Go. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> you don't worry about me. I'm Are fine. You? Yes. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now in Studio B is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. We can talk gymnastics if you want, but I, I think I want to start with basketball, if that's okay with Let's you. Let's do Greg. that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Given the rough timeline from Mark Pope, seven to ten days for Yoli Childs to return from his finger injury, when do you expect him to show up in the BYU lineup again realistically? Don't know. How about that? Uh, it'd be great if he only misses four games, which would put him on the floor next weekend which would be, what, 16 days after the injury? Yeah. Yeah, I guess really it all depends how the wound heals and how you know, painful and flexible the finger feels. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's the best case, right? Get him back after only two weekends missed. That'd yeah. be great. That'd be kind of the narrow end of it, I think. Um, but, yeah, uh, that, that's what, that'd be the hope, I think. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, and, and San Diego Thursday, certainly one that BYU can handle without Yoli Childs. Um, and then at Gonzaga is an interesting one. How do you kind of gauge what we're going to see Saturday where BYU doesn't have its best player in the game yet you want to compete and just see what happens because BYU's won up there a couple times. I think being competitive would be impressive and a win would be legendary, quite frankly. I mean, BYU's won up there, but they've, they've not been shorthanded like this. Um, you know, the chances of beating Gonzaga without your leading scorer and rebounder increase the odds pretty considerably. You know, that said, again, it would be an epic, legendary performance if they were to get a win up there. Um, as it stands... Just being in the game and, and hanging with would be, uh, I, I think, not, not exactly mission accomplished because you want to get the win. But I think BYU showed a lot of things just last week in, in taking St. Mary's to overtime uh, without Yoli. And uh, you know, BYU will have played you know, roughly about two-thirds of the season without him uh, by the time he gets back. That was not the expectation uh, when BYU found out he'd be returning uh, for <laughs> oh, another year. Oh, he'll come year. for a third of the season? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and you know, if he gets back and healthy, then he can add, you know, some, some numbers to it by the end of the season and increase that, you know, that number. But right now, you're looking at a little more than maybe, best case, a little more than half the season with him, you know. And to still get the number of wins BYU's gotten, I think says a lot about this team. And the thing is, I, 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 I believe in these guys, and, and they certainly believe in themselves. Um, they knew coming in they'd play the first nine games without Yo, and they responded accordingly. They didn't think they'd have to do it again, but here they are doing it again. But these last two games last week, I, I think, showed that uh, this team believes it is a team and not overly reliant or dependent on just one guy. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a believer, and, and I've just been super impressed by everything they've done to, to this point. Greg Rubel with us on BYU Sports Nation. Yes, here we are. Yoli Childs hasn't played the majority of the season. BYU is a nine seed in the latest ESPN Bracketology, according to Joe Lenardi, which is a seed better than St. Mary's, shockingly. And how great is it, by the way, not to interrupt, just to be uh, in the mix again? Yes, oh, it's just, right? absolutely. Oh. 
Absolutely. I mean, for the last few oh. years, just being on the outside looking in and, and, and checking NIT brackets and all those kind of things, not where you want to be. And, and this is you're in the thick of it right now. And that's just a, it's just a great feeling to have uh, BYU in that position, what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I love checking out the team sheet. Absolutely. It's, ones, it's so we're fun. Atten- yeah, it's great. Okay, we're paying attention to what everybody's doing in the West Coast Conference because it helps bolster or right. pull down BYU's resume. It's just fun. That said, with St. Mary's losing to Santa Clara and having lost to Pacific, is BYU the second-best team in the West Coast Conference? Well, that's going to be, I think, what puts BYU in the best place to, you know, to, to – to make the dance is being the number two. I mean, granted, you want to be the number one. You're trying to beat Gonzaga and knock him out of the top spot. If you can't be the champ, I think the second best team to Gonzaga in this league is an NCAA tournament team. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, and BYU's not been in that position to where, since they went to the new format, of course, getting a double buy or a triple buy, I guess this might might be in this case, to the, to that Monday semifinal. They'd be in a great spot if that were the case. Um, so St. Mary's has already lost to two teams. BYU's yet to play. But if BYU is able to do against those two teams what St. Mary's did not, then that gives you a leg up. on the. But then you've got to worry about those two teams. And, and well, how long will Santa Clara stay uh, with the record they've got? And, um, and, and Pacific looks to be better, just how much better. Uh, it's a little early to tell. But uh, I think the depth of the league, I think we can say, has improved. Uh, the fact that you know, your, your lower-ranked team, or maybe till last week, maybe your lowest-ranked team, Portland, you know, led Gonzaga at halftime, beat USF. Yeah, BYU handled them pretty well, but that team had already shown well uh, in its first uh, couple games. And so I think the overall quality of the league has improved. I think people nationally uh, are thinking of the WCC as a multi-bid league every year. Uh, you know, Joe Lunardi last night, uh, you know, were tweeting in response to somebody about how you can, you, can, uh, you, you can infer by the fact that St. Mary's lost to both Santa Clara and Pacific, you can infer that the WCC is a lot better than it's been top to bottom, and I think that's true. Yeah, and, and that's awesome because that means if BYU can have – there can be multiple bids. Now the big three are getting in. Um, and I'm wondering if one of the bottom seven will make the tourney at some point in the future. If they don't, it's okay, but that would bolster the league as yeah. well. And Mark Few kind of asked for this a couple of years ago. And, and USF probably had the best shot until they tailspin, uh, tailspun at the end of last year uh, of at least getting a look. But uh, you know, right now, even though Santa Clara's record is really impressive, they've played the second or third worst schedule this season. Now that'll that'll improve when they play, you know, just by playing Gonzaga, that'll take an uptick on on Thursday. And that's maybe the best, not maybe not the best barometer, but a barometer of how Santa Clara is doing is how competitive they stay uh, in Spokane on Thursday. Yeah, and did pull off the upset against St. Mary's, so it was somewhat, I guess, validated. But yeah, multiple ways of looking at it. And that was their first uh, away win. They'd only played a couple away games, maybe three away that's, games. That's how you win a lot. You play a lot of home games against yeah. nobody. And if there's if there's one if there's one hole in BYU's resume, not that it's a big one, it's uh, it's true away wins. Uh, they're one and three because all three of the overtime losses. Were yes, and, on and, the the, road, and right? that leads me to the fact. That, yeah, they're one and three, but the but being. They were all in overtime. Yeah, and the know? one win is against Houston. And 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 so you know one and three in away games is, is again something that they need to kind of buttress here as the season goes along. They'll get that chance. They've been in the Beehive State for a lot of the last two months. In fact, they've only played one game outside of Utah since Thanksgiving. Okay, that's going to change here in the next month. Yeah, St. Mary's is like, wait, what? That's our thing. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars on BYU Sports Nation, looking at Gonzaga. Whether it's statistically speaking or just matchups, what's the toughest matchup for BYU on Saturday? Uh, well, the, the way they go inside, um, and the fact that they, the, 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 the fact they restock with guards just so well and so completely is is one thing about it. But the fact that they can be so long and so skilled inside over and over again, and like Mark Pope said on our show last night, 
when they want to decide to overpower a team and really are intent on doing that, they can do just that. They can dump it down, dump it down, and get uh, and get performance from from everyone they put inside. But Petrushev is is you know legit. He actually replaced I think Killian Tilly on the midseason Wooden Award watch list, right? I think I think Tilly was there to begin the year. Then he got bumped out by his teammate. And and he's you know in in the running for player of the year in this league and and so but he's just one of many many skilled bigs um, and and they do so well with the overseas recruiting and it's another it's another typical Gonzaga roster that way it's interesting to really see what what Gonzaga's become in the decades since BYU's joined the league almost a decade since joining the WCC um, their their recruiting patterns and their their roster composition looks different now than it did then. They were good then. They're great now. It's it almost almost like, oh, BYU's going to challenge us. We've got to do something different. And when BYU came to the league, BYU blew out Gonzaga. Yeah. A, a shot was fired. It may right? not have been like the trigger for Mark Few, but but BYU handled Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament the year before, as BYU was coming into the league. And again, not not that that was Mark Pope waking up and saying, oh, now we got it. But, Maybe but, it was something. But, yeah. but it was a realization that, that BYU coming into the league, everyone's got to raise their level. And certainly Gonzaga modified its approach in a way and just got better and better and deeper and deeper every year to the point where now uh, they're as much a national powerhouse as any of the Blue Bloods. Yeah, it's the golden age. It's wild. It's, it's yeah. BYU football in the early to mid-1980s for Gonzaga and basketball now. And no matter how good the Mountain West Conference was when BYU was in it and, and Utah was good, it, it was never like this, yes, where you had never. to beat the number one team in the country to be a conference champion, <laughs> which is what BYU, BYU stuck Crazy. in a league with um, Kansas, a Kansas, yeah. a Kentucky, a, an Arizona, whatever you want to say, a Duke, uh, wh- whoever you want to you know, hold up as, as, as a conference standard bearer. You know, BYU's in that league with that kind of team right now. Greg, great stuff, and uh, we wish you the best, uh, not just tomorrow, but then your trip to Spokane. Yeah, you know, and you know they, they, they've got three wins up there, right, which is more than uh, you know, I think most every other team other than St. Mary's can combine to have in the last decade or plus. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it'll be a, such a great challenge this weekend. If they don't have Yo, um, it would be one of those uh, just, again, uh, most memorable moments that they can somehow find a way to come together. And they've been doing that so far. It's been fun to watch. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. In the meantime, let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Men's Basketball. Brigham beat San Diego 93-70 thanks to a career-high 21 points from Big Idaho Colby Lee. After the game, Mark Pope announced Trevin Nell broke his thumb in shoot-around yesterday and will be out three weeks. Cougars play at number one Gonzaga tomorrow night. ESPN 2, BYU Radio 10 Eastern. Football. The Pac-12 has announced schedules for all 12 football teams yesterday. Why are we talking about that? Because in the mix, we learned BYU and Utah will play on Thursday night primetime, September 3rd of 2020, to kick off their respective college football seasons. Mark your calendars, September 3rd. Get out your Franklin planners. Six BYU football players are playing in January postseason all-star games, including Diane Gawulaku and Austin Lee in the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl and the East-West Shrine Game, respectively. Cougars in the NFL. Jamal J. Swag Daddy Williams and the Green Bay Packers will visit Fred Warner and the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday in the NFC title game. Daniel Sorensen and his head coach, former Cougar Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Tennessee Titans. They'll host that at Arrowhead on Sunday in the AFC title game. Wouldn't that be fun to see Chiefs? And then whoever's representing BYU out of the NFC in the Super Bowl. I'm about Andy Reid getting that Super Bowl. Yeah, baby. Not the appearance, the win. Let's go, Andy. Volleyball. Number two BYU is in North Carolina. Hi, Dad. 
play a pair at Mount Olive today and tomorrow. Cougars are the only team in the country with four ranked wins. Gymnastics. BYU Gymnastics has a ranked win against then number 15 Nebraska. The Cougars, now ranked 15th themselves, will host number 5 UCLA and in-state foe Utah State tomorrow, 6 p.m. Mountain, live on BYU TV. Athletics News. The fall sports crushed it at BYU, finishing 5th in the Director's Cup rankings, tying the highest fall finish ever. The Director's Cup is a compilation of all the NCAA-sanctioned sports. Notably, BYU won the Men's Cross-Country National Championship, took second in women's, and went to the Elite Eight in women's soccer. Cougars in the PGA. Zach Blair currently tied for first in the American Express in La Quinta, California, at eight under par. Blair made eight birdies and no bogeys in his opening round. Tony Finau, honorary Coug, tied at 49th at three under par. Jarrah? Now, before the break, we mentioned that uh, we are featuring a deep blue segment today that uh, holds a special place in our heart. Wyatt Page, uh, former true blue hero for BYU football, huge BYU fan. His family is, uh, I mean, they're all in on Cougar Blue. We lost him yesterday, and uh, our hearts break for the Page family, and we feel like we've lost a, a close friend. We had the opportunity to do this deep blue segment with Wyatt um, essentially in the final months of his life, and it's something you don't want to miss. Deep Blue with Wyatt Page. Uh, my name is Wyatt Page. I'm 12 years old. I have terminal brain cancer, and I'm a BYU fan. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> in September of 2019, after his 19-month battle, the diagnosis was terminal. Going into my first surgery, I was obviously nervous, um, but my family was there, and I was just kind of really scared, actually. You think about wishing you'd spent more time together, not working that extra hour or two, or wishing you'd taken time to go to lunch together. It was very clear that, you know, we were on on a special mission that was about to embark. Wyatt is a 12-year-old boy from Saratoga Spring uh, who was nominated by Coach Kalani himself. We had, had been contacted from uh, a ward member here that knows Kalani, and he asked us if Wyatt would be interested in going down and touring the facility, going down and meeting Kalani. I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. And we got down there, and of course, we were able to tour the facility, which is awesome. It was fun. We got to uh, watch a video of all the of the team, uh, like chanting my name and everything, and that was I was like, oh. <laughs> then it turned into something more to say the least the experience the mindset that i had when i was going into that was that i wanted him to feel like he was a part of our family he was our brother and could ask us for anything that he needed ethan presented the team um they just kind of were encouraging and he was just saying like uh we love you uh we're 
were so supportive of you, gave me like a little swag bag, I guess. And then they started pulling everything out and it was like, we got Monday, Tuesday. And they just gave me a bunch of cool stuff for BYU and everything. And it was, it was pretty cool. We were shocked and, uh, and it was a really neat experience to see athletes that are finely tuned express their love and, and concern and brotherhood towards Wyatt. It was an amazing experience that I don't think any of us will ever forget. It was important that we tell the team how much uh, they mean to so many different people and so many uh, fans. And although uh, they're struggling through a loss and then uh, some inconsistent football playing. They, I think it was important that they understand their purpose is not just to play football, it's to help people's lives and make a difference. When you have someone like Wyatt and all these other Blue heroes who come and visit your practice and you hear of their story, you really find out what a, a hardship really is. Um, and that even though we all want to win games and losing is tough, it just puts things into perspective that we should still be grateful that we're able to be out here and play a game that we love. And just because it's not going our way, it shouldn't stop us from just putting our head down and going to work because people have it way worse. And so to see guys like Wyatt come in with a smile on his face when his life is on the line, it really helps us put a smile on our face to be grateful for um, everything we have. I think we recognize... And, and Coach Kalani has helped us recognize what an opportunity we have where we're at. Because we play football, people look to us, and we have an opportunity to, to be a blessing in their lives. I think the whole team understands that, and we love seeing people like Wyatt and, and sharing those experiences with them where they're able to feel our love and using our position as football players to, to make them feel loved. For them to do that... Obviously, they were they were um, needing something as much as Wyatt was needing something, and so the, the two of them to to be able to get together and do that, I think they've inspired each other. I don't know at what level on each front, but I know for Wyatt it was a pretty neat day, and for those big guys to come and hang out with with a little kid and and share their heartfelt emotion was really neat. It's an unfortunate circumstance, but we've met fantastic friends along the way because of it and are just grateful for those who've helped with wise care. I mean, it makes a huge difference having um, doctors and nurses and everybody who cares so much and who will do whatever to help out, you know. And we're just grateful for, I mean, and it's weird to say, but it's, it's great. We're grateful for the opportunity. I mean, we look at it as, a, as an opportunity rather than, than a, and a trial, but I mean, it's, it's, an oppor- it's an, been an opportunity. As a father, it's brutally heartbreaking to watch someone that you care about so much. Losing uh, the battle of, against cancer, but not losing the battle of life. I want Wyatt to know that I love him and that I'm proud of him. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV 
and BYU Radio.